to Hashtag Single with Jeanette Bonner. I am not a relationship expert or sex therapist. I'm just a regular New York City woman navigating the world as a single, independent feminist. Hashtag Single is about having honest conversations with other singles in today's device-obsessed culture. So I hope you'll join me on this interesting, challenging, and complex journey as we navigate the ins and outs of singledom. Welcome back to Hashtag Single. It's me, your host, Jeanette. It's another beautiful one-on-one episode with some new friends I have. Tati and Jeff are here to talk about their single lives and how amazing they are as human beings. So I'm so excited (laughs) to have you both today. Tati, welcome to the podcast. Hi, I'm crying. How are you? (laughs) Not yet. That's for later. And our lovely voice of the patriarchy is Jeff. Jeff, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Jeff and Tati do not know each other. So in previous episodes, sometimes people bring their friends or sometimes I put strangers together and these two lovely human beings have agreed to talk about their very vulnerable dating lives, even though they've never met in person (laughs) and they live on opposite coasts. So it's going to be grand. Get ready, Jeff. Get ready. (laughs) I'm looking forward to it, actually. (laughs) Awesome. Super. So Jeff, you know the rules. Sit back and take a listen. Uh And at some point we'll check in with you and just see what you have to say on the whole matter. Sounds good to me. All right, Tati. Yes. Let's get going. So just for some context, guys, Tati and I are both in the uh, filmmaking industry. We met. She's in L.A. I'm in New York. So um, we connected in this virtual world of COVID in a a female filmmakers matchmaking, not matchmaking group. (laughs) No longer single. (laughs) I know. Right. Can you imagine? Like that would be next level. You're like, we make movies and love. I'm not against it. I'm not against it. But so that's how we know each other. But we've never really had like a personal conversation like this. So I'm started to get I'm to know excited. you a little better yes. at a different level. So tell me where you're at in your single life at present. What brought you here to this moment? Disgusting. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's starting off so well. I love it. It's such a tragedy. Um, okay. I feel like an interesting way to describe like my dating history is I was homeschooled from pre-K to college. So Whoa, uh, to college. Yeah. Yeah, I started college when I was 14. Um, Oh, my God. Like a mutant. Like a true mutant. Um, Or genius. Or savant. uh, No. (laughs) Just a loser. (laughs) An outcasted loser. (laughs) Really fun. Uh, So I... I really didn't have a lot of dating history. I think I had, like, my first kiss when I was almost 18. Okay. And then I I moved to L.A. at 21. So I had a long-term boyfriend at that point. And then after that, I came here and I discovered dating apps. And it was like a, a slutty world opened up to me. And I was like, there's all these human dudes and they all want to date me. Not even in like a romantic, beautiful way, in like a, a terrible, tragic way. Oh, yeah. So- in like a gross skeevy way <laughs> just the worst kinds of way so um i i've obviously had like you know dips into serious relationships and stuff since then but i've just been just so disappointed <laughs> so let down by uh i guess the world i'm not even gonna say dating apps i feel like people give a, a bad rep to dating apps but they're just humans in a different you're meeting them in a different way so they Truly. can suck no matter where you meet them it's just easier to meet them yeah. that way. Yeah, that's very true. So I want to backtrack a little bit. Please. So you went to school mm-hmm. and or college at 14, which is insane. Yeah. And was everyone at that college like of age, like 18 and older? Well, they actually were older than that because it was a community college. So most of them, I mean, there were definitely 18, 20 year olds, but a lot of them were like in their 60s. And 40s. And either way, I mean, there were so many guys I had crushes on. And the moment they found out I was 14, like there was like a their body size cutout into the wall where they jumped through to get away from me. <laughs> well, at least no! I did. I mean, <laughs> I'm, this is some like Mrs. Fletcher shit right here. Like, I, that's what I was just thinking. Like, you're in this world of people have freedom for their first time in their life and independence. I mean, it's community college. So 
not as much as like a college where you, you go and stay away for four years, but still then you, you meet someone who's that's, you're not fully matured at 14 physically no. or mentally or sexually no. or emotionally. It was so gross too. It was embarrassing. Yes. Did you, did you date anyone during that time or like that's a really astonishing socialization? No, absolutely not. Um, I, I started doing musical theater um, around around that time as well. So there was lots of boys that I had crushes on, but they were gay. So that <laughs> didn't, it didn't go anywhere. So I didn't have my first boyfriend until I was about 18. But was there anyone like your age there at all? At the school? No. Yeah. There was no dual enrolled kids. Because the reason why, because I was homeschooled, so I could do I could do both. So there was nobody else that was my age in the whole campus, on multiple campuses. It was just me. Because 14 is the time. Let's let's give that perspective. 14 is like, for me, I think eighth grade, right? And seventh grade was my first kiss. So 13, right? So right around the time that you're looking to have your first kiss with another awkward teenager, you're in an environment where no one is available to you. Uh, yes, that's exactly what it felt like. I was just alone in this sea. And I don't know how you were when you were 14. I would definitely be curious to know how Jeff was at 14. But I was just like a mangle of limbs. Like I was just <laughs> so, oh, I had no confidence. So my posture was even worse, which made my arms somehow look longer. Like I just looked like a scrawny orangutan. And all I wanted was love, like so badly. So uh, I don't know how you were, but I was awkward and ugly. I think a lot of, I think most people in the world would not say that their 14-year-old self was their best self. You know? They are like, now. <laughs> Have you seen 14-year-olds now? They're so hot. And that's that, Yeah, but weird that's to like, say. listen, that's a whole nother podcast. It's like twisted how, there's all these like 90 throwbacks memes on like TikTok and, yep. and Instagram and stuff. It was like, this is how I danced when I was 15. <laughs> and like we did the Macarena, right? <laughs> And, the electric slide. And then you're like, you see these these 15 year olds on TikToks like doing these dances to hip hop and Cardi B and, and shit, and they're all like grinding and getting. And then you're like, what? How did you? It's how, they got the how did the boys learn to dance that way? I wish you could see how the boys danced when I was 15. They didn't. I mean, in there my memory, they of, literally didn't. It was a lot of swaying back and forth. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, so that's really interesting to me, just that like gap in your socialization of like coming into your sexual age is sort of absent, for lack of a better term. No, but I mean, that's the accurate term for sure. And then you got your first kiss uh, at 18. Were you at the same school? Was I? Um, no, I think I went to a different school, but I met my, um, he ended up being my boyfriend of almost four years. Um, he was my cousin's best friend, which is, I, <laughs> yeah, I didn't even I was like, him. cousin? No, okay. Oh cousin. my gosh. I'm from Florida, but I'm not that bad. <laughs> I just had a moment where you were my, <laughs> yes, my brain just froze for a second. No, um, no, no. Cousin's so it's not friend. someone, not someone you met in school. No. And this person ended up being your first kiss and your first boyfriend, and it was a long-term relationship. Yes. We ended up living together. We got a Whoa. cat together. Yeah, it was very serious. So you went from, like, zero to 60. Yeah, and I really thought that we were going to get married. Like, that was, like, a thing that, um, like, we planned. We planned out baby names. Oh, and... girl. Yeah. Oh. No. We thought we – I mean, I, I also thought that, like, you had to. Like, at that point, like, all right, I made this decision. I guess we're getting married now. Okay. Because of the length of the time you were with him or because he was like your first? I, all of that. Like, I really, you know, this is an interesting conversation. I wonder how you felt growing up, but I really wanted to be a virgin when I got married. That was like a very, very prominent morality thing for me. I don't feel that way anymore. And I honestly couldn't <laughs> if I wanted to. But that was very important to me when I was young. So the fact that like we'd had sex made me feel like, oh, well, I mean, this should pretty much be it we'll just we'll call it a day you know that'll be fine where did where do you think that came from well you know interestingly enough um so my mom had always told me that she was a virgin when she got married which is not true um which oh shit <laughs> what what? Twist. yeah actually i had a a comedy bit about that because i found out very late in life that my mom in fact was was not 
dumb. That's so sneaky. It was. Well, I, mean, I just think, you know, she's a more personal person in that way. I don't even think she she was doing it to, like, manipulate us or anything. It just She just wanted us to know that it was special. It was special for her. Um, but I really started putting the pieces together because her and my dad dated eight years before getting married. Well, And he's a rock musician. <laughs> so, like, I didn't have... That's no way. <laughs> Uh, so to this to this day, does she still claim that she was a virgin for eight years? No, no, no. She's she's opened up. She's <laughs> she's she's been honest. I had like a real serious she's talk with her. Holding on to that story. This is my this is my truth. I'm sticking to it. Well, I don't think she realized that. Like, and we talked about it. The the damage that it did. Because I always just felt like I couldn't live up to this standard. And it's like, what's the point of being in a relationship that doesn't make you happy? Or like, you know, you learn from all these different relationships. If you feel like you're boxed in by this concept of, oh, I have to have a certain number. Like, I, I still think about that. And I wonder, I, I know it's different for men, but I'd be curious, like, what's your number? What, what's your, what's your notches on the belt? But that really bothered me growing up. And that, that's been something that's, that was harder for me to get past. That's like very subliminal, subtextual shaming. Yes. Without, without it being like overt. Because a lot of people receive shaming from, we had a whole episode on this one, like um, you think that we get res- like shaming from society, but it turns out that most of our shaming as women, as single women, comes from our immediate circle and moreover, mostly comes from the women in our immediate circle. And oh. f- like from that, not even when I'm saying immediate circle, I don't mean like friends. I'm talking about like, older family members like aunts grandmas mothers who are like why are you single maybe you're too fat you know like what's wrong with you like all of that language of like how come it hasn't happened for you like comes hogwash like right and it comes from people who think they like they want the best for us and they mean well for us but and don't realize like the negative implications of that language right or like the message that you're sending some your your kids when you're saying subtle things like that I do wonder where, like, of course, at our generation, it comes from them because, but it's like what happened for their generation for them to feel like that. Like my, my grandmother has a really interesting um, point of view on relationships. She thinks that men should give you stuff, but it's, <laughs> it, she does. She does. She thinks they should give you things, but her reasoning is because if you're going to be, if, I'll do the accent. If you're going to be sleeping with a man and he leaves you. You need something to take care of yourself because otherwise you're left with nothing. But it's like a genuine thing. Yes. First of all, is she from Brooklyn? She's absolutely from Brooklyn. (laughs) She's from Yonkers. Oh, even better. Even better. Um, And she's also, she's, she's got her priorities straight. Like she does, but it's interesting because like, I've never been, um, I don't even want to like shit on materialism or whatever. Cause to each their own on like gift giving and love languages, but I just have never cared for presents or expensive gifts. But in her point of view, it's like when somebody leaves you because that happens, you Mm. I mean, you think about this time period where like if you weren't married at 22, you were a spinster. That is true. You were a spinster. You were almost worthless. And if you had sex before, then no one would want to marry you. So if you weren't someone's mistress who was getting taken care of, where did you fit in society? You didn't get jobs. You didn't have careers. Right, right. So that's where, like, all of this shame, although now it's more from the, I, I feel, from the maternal sides and, and these things, it was all put onto them by society standards because what else were you going to do? If you didn't get married and have a husband to take care of you, you were basically on the street or you lived with your family until you were dead. Right, and she's not wrong because a lot of people got married because they were, quote-unquote, supposed to. Mm-hmm. I think we're talking, like, 40s, 50s, right? So, yeah. Um, and then and then men realized that they were like in these marriages that they didn't want to be in and they they divorced their wives but you're right the wives didn't have jobs didn't have um any access to the bank accounts they didn't have financial freedom they often didn't have college educations so they were literally left with nothing but the children and there's like you know a, a huge wave of like men leaving their wives for mistresses and stuff like mm-hmm. that around mid-century where people realized that like divorce was less stigmatized but the society had not caught up properly to allow women to be safe in divorce i i can definitely see that happening and then i also feel like with religion trying to teach um 
abstinence that when a woman was divorced, even though like a man could be divorced, he's obviously had sex with his wife and whatever, and that doesn't diminish his worth. But a woman has already been used and worn. Yes, right, exactly. So already it's like your chances of getting another husband are far less statistically likely than a man because you're used. You're a worn shoe. I saw this one video and it stuck with me forever. It's by some religious group and it was showing a white tennis sneaker. And it was like, would you like to give someone this sneaker? Or would you like to give someone this sneaker? And the other sneaker had like been put through a bulldozer. It's like shredded to shreds and you're like <laughs> wait and that was about abstinence yeah it was about like well wouldn't you want to give your partner <gasps> a shiny new shoe or do you want to give it a beaten battered down vagina <laughs> oh my oh my god life is hard <laughs> so i've oh my gosh i can't even begin to pick that apart yeah so it's we disgusting won't. Uh, so we won't. going back to that like we have to like imagine what then did your grandmother say to your mother when she was growing up and when she was dating and coming of age you know we have we don't know it's so interesting too because i feel like at that time because i'm very close with both of them that it sounds like my grandmother honestly didn't talk to my mother about anything and i know a lot of people from that age like my mother's age um who their parents like didn't tell them about periods didn't tell them about surprise yeah honestly (laughs) some of the biggest worst most scary surprises but i've heard it so many times from um her friends and my aunts i'm like oh wow so just no one communicated that so i just honestly wonder what was going on in their lives where they felt like they then sex became a secret Mm. from from their parents and then that internalized shame because it's a secret so right you know yeah that's crazy. So all of that is like trickle down into your life. And um, obviously we are, as women are in a better place of open communication and independence mm-hmm. and freedom and access to information. But we're still influenced, obviously, by the people that raised us and the, the immediate people in our lives. So I think that's really interesting that they, although she was trying to set you up for, you know, abstinence (laughs) it ended up making like like giving you trauma a little bit or or like misguided you to like what if you had gotten married to this person at how old are you 22 uh 21 is when we broke up just turned 21 i can't imagine i think about that often where i'm like that was really the trajectory that both me and him were on uh so that easily could have been my future and just really well also um uh my parents are divorced and they had a, a rather um, unhealthy relationship. And I know a lot of people think that they should like stay together for the children. You know, that's like a really common, common sure. miscon- misconception in my opinion, because I think they're way better as divorced parents than they ever were together. But watching their relationship showed me what my relationships, what I thought they should look like. So people not getting along, not communicating, yeah. having like non-passionate, non-excited to see each other. I mean, it was really, it was a tougher situation. So I think watching them as friends now has been way more healthy and beneficial for me. But it, that whole first relationship I had was, was tainted with a lot of poor recognizing and mirroring from my parents' relationship. Yeah. And I'm curious to know, like, so when you ended it with this guy who you really thought you were going to be married, like... Mm-hmm. What was what were your twenties like? Was that sort of a really tough time for you to process that like the person you thought was the one was not going to be your future? It, you know what? Surprisingly, it wasn't as tough as I thought it was going to be. Um, I think because I was very I moved to Los Angeles, so there was a lot of stuff going on, and then I started dating a bunch, which I think was something I was like leaning towards for a long time that I wanted to do and I didn't know how to get out of the relationship unless I moved. Mm. So mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know. Like, obviously it was very, I guess, strange to not have this person, but also it was really helpful in a tragic way that he freaked out really badly when we broke up. So it made it a lot mm-hmm. easier to, um, put some distance because he became very, which we're all fine now. Like, um, we have a, a, a decent friendship and I want nothing but good things for him. But at the time he was very aggressive and very mean and, um, uh, he just couldn't accept the breakup. So, uh, it made it did easier you, for me. Did you break up with him or he broke up with you? 
You know, at the time, I had thought that it was a mutual breakup because he was moving to Michigan and I was moving to L.A. But to be fair, he had brought up an awful lot about like, well, what if we try to do long distance? And I was like, it's mm, mm, a thought. Again. Yeah, like, oh, you're bringing it up and I respect you bringing that up. I mean, that is something to ponder. But like, what if we just stop dating? <laughs> and if it's like meant to be, we'll find our way back to each other. I just picture this like a Claritin commercial, like suddenly like the veil is lifted and you can see in Technicolor again. Like you're just like the, like LA is before you and there's like, oh, like your freedom, your freedom is on the other side of the lake. That's what it felt like where I finally didn't even realize. I remember my mom pointed this out. She's very observant where I was trying to find um, an anniversary card for him. I think it was like our three or four year or whatever. And I was like, all these cards suck. And my mom was like, do all the cards suck, sweetie? Or are you just not happy? Oh, shit, mom. <laughs> oh, 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 shit. <laughs> well, like, Nailed it yeah, in the store. She's such a scary Sagittarius. I love her so much. She's such a dagger. Um, <laughs> so she was right, though. So um, I, at that point, I know that he was trying to cling to this. Um and I was like, I see, I see light. I see potential of me not being trapped in a, a borderline abusive relationship. So I, I want to take that, that opportunity. So yeah, so that made it easier though, because it, it's always easier in such a weird way. Maybe that's not true. When the other person is really showing some terrible colors for you to yeah. be like, wow, okay, this is a good choice for me. Right, right. <laughs> easy choice when mm-hmm. I broke up with my ex like it was I always say I did it for very logical reasons but I was still very emotionally attached to him mm. and so for like we, there was like a two-year aftermath after the relationship ended where it was like but I still love you but I still love you okay let's try to make it work again okay it's not working but I still love you but I still love you just like just torture you know where I I needed my strong self to step in and be like, literally, this is not going to ever work in the future and there's a better life for you going forward. But it was really hard for both of us to detach because it's, you know, if you have that kind of bond, it's literally potentially like losing your best friend. Um, totally. And there was part of me that was like, hey, we can still hang out. And <laughs> <laughs> I literally believed that we could still be best friends, but not be dating. Um, I was just, you know, super naive because I was like, I, but I like, I like you as a human being. I just don't want us to be together. So let's just like go to concerts together and stuff. And totally. Thing, he yeah. was so confused and as well, he should have been. He was just like, I don't understand. We're just hanging out, but I'm not allowed to touch you. Okay. <laughs> um, and I was like, yeah, I don't understand why that's hard. <laughs> was so mean. Oh, oh man. So I, I get it like, though. So no, so I mean, cruel. but you weren't doing it intentionally. And like, I'm sure you learned from that experience of being like, okay, well, that didn't, that didn't work. <laughs> I, well, now I have some perspective on like how insane I really was like just a separation of um, intelligence versus emotions. And intelligently, it made sense. I was like, I have spent five years with this person. Wow. Why can't I continue to hang out with him and talk with him all the time? That makes sense. We like each other as people. You know, and like how I don't know why I really thought that we could do that and fully separate our emotions or maybe it was just wishful thinking. I have no idea. But, um, you know, I do feel bad for the sort of emotional turmoil I put both of us through because mm-hmm. um, while I do believe that exes can be friends afterwards, there has to be a grieving tra- period. Yeah. Transitional period where you go away from each other and then come back. <laughs> it's not like the next weekend. Yeah, no, there has to be some level of like, basically, I feel like detoxing from each other's chemicals and literally, I mean, but like your chemistry together, you need to like seriously detox and gain some perspective and also like, because you kind of start commingling with somebody and meshing with them. Yeah. You need to find out who you are again by yourself so that you can be friends together and not fall into the exact same habit. Right, right. How do you differentiate like... Uh, well, this is how we were when we were dating, except at this point I would kiss you, but Oof. this is how, you know, it's, it's like super confusing. I don't, mm-hmm. you know, I feel terrible that, that. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was my, my bad call. <laughs> <laughs> well, you take responsibility. That's we, amazing. We've both grown from it, but, mm-hmm. um, 
yeah. Anyway, enough about me. Let's get back to you. <laughs> Hi. I love hearing about it now. I don't mean to take over your episode. So, okay. So you come back to your newly in LA. You're 22. And then you said at that point you started using dating apps? So at that point, I dated somebody who was twice my age. I was 21 at the time. And he was a director that I had met. And I, I was really, this is one of the worst relationships of my life, truly. Because I was easy prey for someone who was at a more prominent place in his life. It's like very close to a Me Too story. Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, he did basically end up using business as a, a way to like control me. As in, like, connections and stuff like absolutely, that. Absolutely. Absolutely. But everything even would be like, you don't know how to do this. So oh dear. I'll tell you how to make someone happy. And it was just very toxic and, and gaslighty. How long did that relationship go on for? I think that actually, I mean, it feels like years because of the trauma. But I think it was only a six-month relationship. Okay. Yeah. But I mean, still, like, there could have been so many repercussions. Like, he could have blacklisted you from people in the industry. You could have left your career and not wanted to become a director after that. Totally. It's, it's... I mean, he did blacklist me from his community. But I realized that I was like, I'd rather burn these bridges than have a bridge connected to you. Good for you. Good for you. So that was, it was very difficult for me to sever those ties. But I'm still very grateful that I did. Yeah, good for you. I am too. That, yeah, that's like, uh, I mean, that's the definition of me too. First of all, you're in LA, like he's a powerful, established male director and he's using that to almost bully you into staying with him. Like he didn't want me to work with other cinematographers, other mm -hmm. directors, because he's like, well, I'll just do it all for you. Wouldn't that be easier if I just did it all for you? I don't even worry about that audition. Don't go there. Like, don't do that because I'll just do it for you. Or then would diminish my work. Like, I do a lot of um, nude art modeling. Uh, I, I model for painters. It's just, that's something I love doing. And he started saying that I was a pornographer. That I was mm -mm. a porn actor because mm -mm. of this. I was like, wait, but you liked these images before we started dating. But now, the idea that I'm taking pictures with photographers or whatever, now I'm a slut. Ugh, Which I'm not garbage yeah. human. God, he really, I mean, honestly, I, I truly can't stand this person. I get so scared. If I'm in like in his side of town, he's the only person that I'm truly like scared of. Uh, wow. So yeah, that, that was terrible. So, so there was that. Then after that went the roundabout of, of Tinder. What Girl, a time I to love, be alive. Wait, hold on. So in summary, you yes. have, you, you start your sexual socialization and coming of age with people that are 10 to 20 older years older than you. Your second situation is a long-term relationship for four years. And then your third experience with love and sex is with a controlling power hungry 20 year, 20 years older man in the industry so and then you joined tinder i raged then i raged still i would i mean i understand raging but i feel bad that like that's all you had in preparation for tinder oh uh, yeah me too <laughs> well also uh the crazy thing is it's like most people they dated in sometimes in middle school and high school they really started kind of i don't know understanding yeah, that I mean. exactly so for me like most of my dating experience and i've had a lot at this point i've really made up for lost time has been done through the apps. Most of my boyfriends, most of my dating, like 95% is all through the apps. So that's most of my experience where I feel like most people, it would probably be the, the inverse or at least people in my age range. That's wild. But this is also like the, the new generation. I think about this all the time. Like they are not having a standard middle school, high school experience of like having a crush and falling in love. I mean, they might be. Aww. But they're, they're also having access to porn, like having incorrect understandings of what women look like from the internet. And then, then they join apps. <laughs> it's like, if app dating was my first dating experience, I would be a mess as a human. A absolutely. All I can hope for, though, is that if, because I feel like app dating, um, like technology doesn't go away. I just hope that they improve. Yeah. Like maybe if dumb idiot boys, I mean this with love, um, 
like do get on apps earlier and they like learn through failure of like, oh, this isn't how you get someone's attention or this isn't how you um, can actually get a date or get someone to like you. Maybe when they're in their 20s or their 30s, they'll have any concept because I match with guys in their late 30s who will send me like a wave emoji or will be like, sup. I'm like, you're in your late 30s. <laughs> Are you- no excuse for this behavior. Oh my God. How could you? Oh, oh. They'll say some of the craziest shit or just really have no. Oh my God. So bad. So that is my one hope because I feel you. I wish it wasn't this way for youth, but maybe, maybe we'll evolve. And women yeah. yonder will not have to deal with what we are currently dealing with, which is horseshit. So that's what I'm hoping for. <laughs> Please tell me you're on other apps besides Tinder, though. I'm or- on Bumble as well. Okay. Um, I didn't like Hinge because I felt like it was actually more work for me to do to get the exact same freaking responses from dudes, which are like, cool, nice, yeah. chill. <laughs> what are you up to? I'm like, I'll kill myself. Like, okay. I'll throw myself into a river. It is, in general, I feel like it is a lot of work on women's behalf yeah, um, to, like, lead the conversation um, I feel like 90% of my interactions start with them saying, hey, oh, how yeah. are you? Or just liking, liking the photo. So, and then it's up to me to say something interesting. Otherwise we'll get caught in a, how was your day? Good. Good. How was your day? Luke? You know? <sighs> yeah. I'm having like PTSD from these conversations. I'm like, yeah, I'm no, I mean, like it sounds ridiculous, but I, I can say that with, experience having these conversations on this podcast and my experience too I don't know if it's because women are better communicators or everyone's like oh well men are men are shy and they don't know how to talk to women people say that all the time but I don't know what that is it's like I just think it's a fucking general laziness (laughs) I think it's like here's here's my thought on it and I'm also very curious to know what Jeff thinks about it I think it is an allowed laziness where it's like it's not that I think they're intrinsically lazy, but I think that we will end up because we perceivably want it more or we comprehend that it needs to be done. So we will take over for them. There's never like a, a, a lack of someone who will be like, oh, hey, my day's been great. I just walked the dog. I have a Pomeranian. Anyway, how's your day? Like we will pick up the slack. So right. that, yes. so there's no reason for them to be like, I guess I need to evolve. Otherwise I'm never going to go on a date. I'm never going to meet somebody. I'm never going to have sex again. Whatever it is that their priorities are. Another question I'm so interested to ask, um, to ask Jeff about is I feel like on certain apps, like, um, like Tinder, for example, cause there's always a big debate about like who should message first or whatever. Women never message first. Most guys that I message on Tinder will not respond or will not actually meet me. But almost 100% of guys who will message me first actually take the initiative and we will go on a date. Doesn't mean anything else will happen. But I just think it's like an interesting, is, is it because if it's in their power, then they're more likely to follow through? Or what is the stigma if I'm approaching you first of why it tends to not go anywhere? Because I honestly can't remember one person that I've messaged first where we've actually ended up going on a date. I have had that experience as well. Interesting. Um, and it's I, it doesn't prevent me to continue to message people because I would prefer to have conversations than like your photo, like your photo, like your photo. But then I've, I've come to terms, I've come to peace with it because I'm just like, if some guy's put off or offended or not turned on by me messaging him first. And that's not my person in the first place. You know what I mean? Like that's, um, it it ain't going to work out for us. I I just get so annoyed to see like, cause you'll notice on different guys profiles. Like obviously we all get frustrated with certain tropes or certain things that are happening, but You'll see people be like, yeah, it'd be real great if a girl messaged me first. Like, they'll have that in their profile. I'm like, buddy, I would, and I do, and look at it go nowhere because of a societal pressure or something. Do you know, do you know what my favorite is? I don't check this app much. Text <clears throat> me. Yeah, <laughs> DM like... me on Instagram where I won't see your <laughs> message because we're not friends. And I'm not going to follow you, good sir, because I don't know and don't care about you. So get that. Oh. I it's know. good to know that's everywhere. It's good to know it's in New York as well. It's not just oh, yeah. in LA. Oh thing. yeah, no, it is. It's pervasive. Disgusting. In fact, 
<laughs> yeah. A big one uh, for men, I think, will be to already deprecate the experience. To be like, okay, this is a really common profile thing I see where we'll be like, we'll tell people we met at the grocery store. And I'm like, interesting. So you're already telling me you're ashamed of this yes. process. So you won't, you won't take me seriously. And this is sad because it really is a perspective thing. Like you can be open to many magical, beautiful things in the world and you will find beauty. If you already go into something thinking that this person is less than because I met them on the internet and it wasn't because it wasn't A, B or C the way I wanted it to, you will already perceive them differently. So I know if you have that on your profile, you already look at me as less of a person. One. Well done. Yes, that is 100% true. And I have also seen that as well. Or like just joined, can't wait to get off this thing or like, like, um, apologizing yep. for being on the app. But I'm like, but I'm on the app too. Like, <laughs> you, like you know, know what I mean? It's such a crazy concept that we are so embarrassed to be lonely, but almost yes. everyone is lonely. Almost everyone wants a partner. It's not just a female thing. It's absolutely a male thing. It is an, is a human want to be loved, to be understood, to be physically touched to have sex. I think it just comes down to ego. Mm -hmm. It's just sort of like, like there's something innate about, well, I'm so cool. I shouldn't have to be here. Like, Whoa. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like, or I, I should be able to meet people in real life. So, but, um, other people are, are being annoying. So I'm forced to be here, but I definitely, this is like a, you know, option D for me kind of thing. Oh, that energy is so strong. Yeah. And I, I wonder too, cause, um, another, I guess, trope in general is just that men's profiles are far less enticing. And I think it's because men, there was a while where I was actually trying to open up a business where I would um, make help guys with their profiles, like take pictures for them, work on their bios, um, like help them with their stats because most men that I know, and I've done this for a few men uh, have, they don't ask their friends because they're embarrassed. Yes. They, yes. they don't, they're like, uh, no, but all their friends have dating apps too. Like almost no one is immune from this. So, <laughs> so they end up with pictures like shots taken below in like a spooky way or blurry because they took it while they were walking because they're they're too embarrassed to take a picture of themselves yes. whereas women women will get together we'll do a photo shoot i mean me and my best friend i'll be like which picture is too thirsty which picture like well, look at the whole piece as the aesthetic what are we feeling what is the vibe like you know we do all this and then men will just schlock together a profile and us women will be like bravo you exist yes. well, i guess we'll take it because that's all of them can i tell you something funny i yes. have a date i have a date this afternoon i'm getting coffee <gasps> with someone and i was sharing it to my friend jessica and i i just realized when i showed it to her she was like show me another picture and i was like his photos this is on hinge his first photo has his face but he's like um profile right Good. his second photo is his face of a cartoon like someone no drew he's hiding him. wait he's wait hiding wait the yeah. third photo is him hiking so he's looking at the view it's his back the fourth photo is him canoeing and someone took it from behind and the <gasps> fifth photo is him hiking again and it's his back and she's like honey you don't know what he looks like and I was like oh my god you're right I actually there's so funny I have half of a face to go on that's literally <laughs> and I'm and yet I'm meeting him so I'll you know what it could it, I would love to know the truth it's also exhausting but yeah so um good luck I'm very curious to know uh how it goes is the conversation yeah. good it's wow it's more consistent than other ones like it's not just like he disappeared after this is usually what happens is like there's like three four volleys and then they disappear and he's totally. like continued to text me so I, that's why I agreed to meet him honestly and because he said coffee and not drinks Totally. I'm not, I'm not sure I'm ready to commit to like drinks in person yet. It's just exhausting. Um, <laughs> so I'm into like an hour long coffee and then I'll get out of there and figure out what I want to do. You know, I totally sounds, get you on that. that. I, I, I honestly, I have a real quick one. I had this guy. What was his name? Ugh, it was something Russian. I forgot what his name was. We'll call him Alexi. Um, <laughs> it was Alexi. He was an hour and a half late for uh -huh. our date. Yeah, it was disgusting. It was for coffee. It was for coffee. I met him at the place he wanted to go to. Um, and so I sat there. I was reading a book. And he comes up to me and he's like, um, he's like, hi, I'm late. I'm like, I know you're late. And he's like, okay. 
And I was like, so, that <laughs> yeah, was great. I was like, so what do you do? Oh, and he goes, we covered that. <laughs> Dude, I'm like, thank God you already know. I was like, so what, what do you do, Alexi? He goes, what, this is 24 questions? Oh, shit. I'm like, I'm like but this is a, a date. I was like, like and, they're, and we're done. Well, <laughs> we had one more question, and then I've been the most honest I've ever been. He was like, what? Um, he was like, well, what do you do? And I was like, I, I, I'm an actor. He goes, original. <gasps> and I was like, hey, I'm I... sure I'm sure someone loves you, but it's not me. I can't stand looking at you another moment. He's like, that's fine. And then we left. It was a five-minute date. Applause, applause <laughs> all around. Goodbye, everybody. Um, know, it's listen. not worth your time. You and I are, we, and honestly, probably Jeff too, we get our fair servings of bullshit, especially on the dating apps. But this is the value. You know, and I know when to get the fuck out of there and like yes. what is worth your time. And that is the best position that you can come at this whole dating situation. You know, like you're, like you said, you're going to feel lots of humans, but you know what you're worth, you know what you're looking for, you know your value, and you're able to suss out immediately what's not okay and move the fuck on. And Absolutely. That's honestly, that, the best you could do. I think it's so important because I think also then you stop resenting people and resenting the situation so much because you're not wasting as much time. If you like sat through a boring date for like three hours, or let's say you went home and had really unsatisfying sex with them, which I mean, you do whatever you want, but if it's not good for you, then you start having resentment for the situation. And I feel like you start closing yourself off from opportunities when all it has to be is like 30 minutes of like, oh yeah, I'm kind of attracted to you. Yes, I'd like to go to the next step and see what can happen. And yeah, that's it. Truly. That's freaking it. We have set up a lot of questions for Jeff. We keep talking about him and not letting him speak. So. I know Jeff! <laughs> let's, let's let the poor guy in, shall we? Jeff, come on back to the podcast. Uh, here I am, yes. I'm still here, I, don't worry. I hope you took notes because we were like, I'd love to hear Jeff's opinion. And then I don't even remember what we were talking about. So, uh, oh, no, There's a lot of notes me. for sure, yes. Hit me. What's What came up for you? What's your first thing you want to respond to or answer? Um, the first one that I have is basically the, uh, the conversation where, you know, when you're asking for a guy to, well, I don't know if it's asking or wanting the guy to start the conversation where, or when the women has to take over because the guy is basically giving you a wave emoji or is just like, what's up? Mm -hmm. Yes. So there's a lot of things with that, right? Maybe the guy is just insecure. Maybe he just saw your face and never saw what you had on your profile, which is, you're right. It's laziness from their part. Like... Whenever I have to go through, I've noticed that too. Anytime that I've said, hey, that's because sometimes, I don't know, maybe I'm somewhat attracted to you, but not really. So it's just a, ah. it's a barometer of what I'm trying to see. Like, hey, will she respond to hey? You know, that type of thing. Okay. If I'm really into you, then I will say something more of within like what I've seen in your profile. If mm. she says she loves pizza and wine or going to the park and be like, all right, what kind of wine are we talking about here? And where's your favorite pizza to get from? So we can have a date in the park. I can attest the fact that sometimes I'm a horrible texter. I will, I'm way boring in text than in person. Like somebody told me, actually, I'm very formal in written um, conversation, whether it be email or uh, text messages, because I'm very proper. I, you know, I used to talk to a lot of um, high level people, whether it be text or email. So I'm just so used to texting people like in a very formal way. Hey, how are you today? I hope you're having a great day versus texting vers with my friends and be like, what's up? Oh, what a sociopath. Right. That's yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And then, so how do you personally, um, not speaking for all men, but speaking yeah. for all men here, um, how do you feel when women initiate the conversation on dating apps? I mean, are you I into love it, it or are you not I'm, into it? I'm You're into, into it. it. Yeah. Like, um, for me, it, they, it means that they're interested in having a conversation. Um, I'm very secure enough that I don't have pride or ego where it shows that a woman is strong enough to take the lead or take the first charge and be like, Hey, I love the fact that you took the conversation and, um, We'll go with it, and then we'll see what happens. I love it. So it's not a turnoff for you? No, not at all. I was raised by strong women yeah. in my life, so I'm more like a, like I'm attracted to power and all that stuff. That is a taking the bulls by the horn kind of thing. Right, but do you think there are men out there that are like less 
turned on by a woman that will make the first move? Without a doubt. Without a mm -hmm. doubt. Um, they're attracted to the fact that, number one, they might be more secure with themselves than the men, really. You know, the woman would be more secure with their own body, their own personality, their own mind um, than the guy itself. Maybe they're having, so you're going back to that ego thing where the guy is ashamed that they're on the dating app. So women who know that we were talking about this at the end, like women who know their worth and their value mm -hmm. and who do not need to, who are not seeking valuation through men is, is that readable on an app? Like if I come off as strong and confident and like, I don't need to be, um, evaluated by a man, he can pick up, and, if, and I don't know, are there certain men that are like, oh, she doesn't need me, and that's a turnoff? Um, not on the first conversation, right? Because there are things in a woman's profile, whether it be like, oh, no, you can judge a woman's profile, be like, oh, no, she might be hype main, and she loves just, you know, just hanging out on rooftops, and she might be, you know, into <laughs> all that, and we're like, oh, crap, she might be expensive to go on a date with. <laughs> Good point. Yeah. I usually take men to Denny's, so I never think about... <laughs> Yeah, I do. I take my men to Denny's. I love, so. I love the phrasing I love the of that. Slam. You, you take men to Denny's. <laughs> I yeah. take men to Denny's. Because but I can see that. They don't if, take you. You take their ass to Denny's. And then... They don't want to go. They okay. don't want to go to Denny's. You're going to take me to Denny's and you're going to fucking love it, okay? Okay. I would love slam. to go to Denny's, actually. It's just because, go, like, $8 Grand Slam breakfast and orange juice? Come on. How can and you compete with that? That's what I'm saying. Well, it's just, it's like a low pressure date that I also, I just happen to love Denny's. But I remembered what I wanted to ask. I know that I'm sure that for a lot of people, there's like the ego involved as well. But mm -hmm. do, would you also consider if there's like an aspect of the chase that oh, is very sure. enticing? Exactly. No, the chase is definitely there. Men want to have a challenge. It's not about the easiness of things, right? Like sometimes, oh, you know what? I want to see where I can take this. Or, and then if the woman just answers right away or the woman takes charge, the guy's just like, oh, where's the fun of this anymore? Yeah. Mm -hmm. What else, what else came up for you? Um, we were talking. Let's see. Oh, um, the Instagram, like, oh, I don't check this often. Follow me on Instagram. <laughs> Good God. Or like, yeah. Look, I'll, do you um, get that? Do you get that kind of message? Oh, yeah. If I you do. Oh, all the time. So it's kind of like, universal. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Every time I see a girl, just like, don't check this off, then follow me on Instagram or Snapchat and be like, swipe left. Sorry, I'm not interested in that. Like, you're just basically looking for a follower. And yeah. when, I will check out your profile. But if it says private, nope, I will swipe left. Yeah, that makes sense. I have a more intense question for you. So I want to go back to what we were talking about at the beginning of the episode. Let's do it. Tati was talking about how her mom told her that she was a virgin uh, before she got married and mm -hmm. set up this expectation that Tati should be too. And I'm curious if you ever received that messaging in your life or if, if your background or the way you were raised ever like affected specifically your approach to dating i'm the complete opposite from tati actually my mom was a uh, my mom has a weird background where she was working in hr as well as a family planning um trainer it's a sex trainer oh. per se whoa yeah so i learned about condoms when i was seven years old i'm like oh look balloons <laughs> It's a balloon for your penis, son. Exactly. And then my mom was like, those are not balloons, Jeff. Those are uh, for uh, to make sure you don't have any kids early on in life. We actually, I skipped sex ed in high school because my guidance counselor knew who my mom was. Be like, oh, no, Jeff already knows about sex education. He can huh. um, skip this. Like, she, pe uh, she put balloons, uh, not balloons, <laughs> condoms in the lower drawer in the living room. And she's like, Remember your ABCs, guys, to me and my brother, and be like, always bring a condom. Wow. And we're like, Bravo, Mom. Yeah. And we're like, number one, we will bring a condom, but we're not going to get it from that drawer. Like, you would know <laughs> if there are condoms missing from that drawer. We know you, you know? counted that, Mom. Yes, exactly. exactly. I will That's go to the, 
to the convenience store across town to make sure that uh, they don't know who I am and that my mom would not go to that particular convenience store. Do you, um, did you tell your mom or, or a family member or a friend when you first lost it, lost your virginity? No, I think she just knew. That's a weird think, conversation to have. But yeah, if exactly. you have a mom who's like a sex educator, maybe you would, but it's still weird. Did yeah, you not, no. Jeanette? No. Because I, I called my mom on the phone. Yeah, I called my mom right after it happened. It was an awful experience. And I was like, Mom, it's really bad. And she was like, <laughs> that's okay, sweetie. Like, it, it happens. Like, she was really good about it. it I just, that's why I was like, wow, I wonder how abnormal that was <laughs> to call my mom and be like, I wish it was different. <laughs> That's really fun. that's really sweet. I mean, both of you actually have these these really wonderful backgrounds and family structure that allowed you to sort of approach dating in a safe way. I mean, Tati's yours, yours was like a little a little <laughs> unique, um, you know. So it's interesting, just like me, how like how how that may have influenced your approach to dating. Was there anything else that your mom said, Jeff, to you that you think like? Looking back, oh, that really influenced how, like, I talk to women and treat women or approach to dating in general? Well, she always said that to treat women with respect, right? You know, a no is a no, stop, period, stop, end of story. That's it. If she's not interested, move on. Like, you know, there's going to be a lot of more women out there, that type of thing. So I always follow that up to this day. But no standards that she gave you that or that sort of set you up to make it harder to date? No, not really. Well, she at this point, she's just like, I just want a grandchild. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so you're receiving you're receiving a different kind of pressure. Okay. Yeah. 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 yeah Especially totally. when my cousin. You got that female shaming going on too, man. <laughs> I mean, guys get that a lot as well. You know, yeah. my cousins are having their they're having kids now, and they would hang out in my parents' house, and they would my parents would be, hey, look what I'm holding. <laughs> <laughs> wow a baby okay mom yeah you, you were like you taught me about sexual freedom when i was seven years old so oh and then i would joke <laughs> yeah exactly a child anytime soon and i'm like you raise a very independent man might be too independent for your own good now but uh, uh... I, I also told her like hey ma i can always give you a baby do you want a maid to order or do you want like the fast food um ready to uh share (laughs) he's like yeah i'll make a baby it does not mean i'm gonna have a partner yeah (laughs) you guys it's been so fun talking to you today about your dating lives and um all the things that are wrong with the world so thank you for (laughs) making me feel better about my single life um no truly i love having these conversations because i love connecting with other people and the more we can have these open conversations of like hey i'm struggling too um i think then we can all have a little more mental peace and awareness around dating it's a process for all of us so thank you both for being here and being vulnerable with me i really appreciate it thank Thank you you. for having me very fun now you guys are friends. Hi, Jeff. Exactly. Hi, Tati. Yay. If I'm in LA, we're going to Denny's just because yes! we're going to get Grand Slams, Jeff. I can't. Some orange juice. You got Yes. It. Let's not forget a large orange juice. Yes. <laughs> I, can't I can't wait for this to happen. We're going to Denny's. Awesome. Thank you guys so much for listening to this podcast episode. I hope you liked it. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you got something from it. If you have a friend who doesn't subscribe to hashtag single, what's wrong with them? Send this podcast episode their way. See if you can make someone's day a little bit brighter. As always, we are having the most fun conversations over on Instagram at hashtag single pod. I hope you'll join us there and I hope you'll join us again in two weeks for my next guest episode for hashtag single. We'll catch you next time.